Hi everyone, welcome to the third episode of the podcast. Today I will be re-inviting a previous guest of mine, which is my brother, Jaron. And today we will be more focused on his past experience and some of his point of views. Welcome to the podcast, Jaron. Yeah, great to be here. So... For those who don't know, Jaren is a student in Curtin University, and he is also uh, an entrepreneur, and he founded a company that is doing digital marketing. So can you describe how it feels like to, what's the experience of uh, balancing between being a student and having to work? Well, actually, it's not really uh, a very hard thing to do because uh, studying, you actually have a lot of free time and you just need some minor uh, adjustments to your life because uh, once you do both at the same time, you will feel like your life is moving at a faster pace and I just need to get used to it. But isn't it very hard to balance your time between doing assignments, going to school, and then you have to do your work. Well, um, honestly, if you have a well-balanced system, which uh, for me, I use uh, three dimensions to indicate whether I should be using, uh, where where should I be, be putting my time into? So uh, for me, there is uh, time, importance, and significance. So for, for time, it's like, is it urgent or not? So if the assignment is due today, so it, it hits up on the urgency score. So if it, is it important or not? So do I really need to do this assignment? If I don't need to do it and I can still pass, then I wouldn't really bother about it. Lah. And then how significant is it to my life currently? So I just significance based on whether... Uh, are we? How long will this impact my life? Most of the time, so uh, is this contract gonna be impacting the company for the next potentially twenty years or ten years, or is this gonna just impact like a few months of our capital cash flow? Yeah, I I I agree on your system, but do you have a do you intentionally go and list all your tasks and rate them by urgency or importance? Or are you more like me? Because I do the same thing, but then I just mentally take note of the things I have to do and their importance and their urgency. Yeah, that's, example, uh, yeah? Yeah, that's a very great question. Uh, normal Under normal circumstances, I don't do it because I don't see a need to prioritize my time unless something happens and I have suddenly a lot of things packed and I need a system to sort my time. And then that is when I will use this system. So, so most, most of the time you're like me. You just take mental notes, mentally take note of the things that you have to do, which is more important, which is more urgent. Then when things uh, are very uh, hectic, then you start to have a system taking down notes, for example. Yeah, and I, I like to create this kind of system so that it 
helps me improve my life one way or another. And this is one example of a very good system. When, when, we, when we talk about system, is it uh, the same as a routine? Because you said you like your tasks being systemized. Do you also like routines in your life? Yeah, uh, having a, a good routine, I think, is very crucial for someone who is, especially for me, who is trying to be uh, high-performing. What are some of the routines that you have in your life right now? Um, okay, so having a very good feedback loop is very important in the things that you're trying to do. So let's say for now, I'm trying to improve two, two types of skills, uh, negotiating and writing. So whenever I write or whenever I have a session where I can negotiate with someone, I will note down in my book on, uh, as a feedback on how did I perform in that negotiation where can I improve on and how do I move forward? And the same goes to my writing. I try to uh, cut down on my writing and I will judge myself based on that. Because if we don't have a feedback loop, it's very hard for us to know where do we improve next. Mm. But uh, I'm a person that has tried a few routines, like for example, uh, having a morning routine which is very beneficial. Uh, we can prime yourself to start a very good day. But I always found this problem when it comes to routines or habits is that I think, I think it's because of my personality. I don't really like rep repetition. I like to do things, for example, in the spur of the moment because I think it's that uh, more exciting. And then if you do the same thing over and over again for like a long period of time, it will get very boring. Is that your case or is this just me? It was my case because back then, I'm not sure about you, but back then I, I want everything to be so perfect that I plan out everything and it gives me a lot of stress just to continue my morning routine. So uh, I tone everything down and then I would be like, let's, if I, uh, let's say if I want to do uh, meditation the act of sitting down and testing if I'm available of meditating is already a win instead of I need to meditate for 30 minutes a day so you remove the stress factor and then it will be much easier for you to implement because the commitment is so low that uh, you can just go go over I learned this from Tim Ferriss where uh, he has examples of people uh having a hard time going to the gym consistently. And the, the routine of for them is just to go there for three minutes. After three minutes, then, then you can go back home. So what normally happens is people will tend to do it longer than three minutes. But let's say if you're having a bad day, you can still quote-unquote win in that sector. I, I understand where this is coming from. It's like... Um being less judgmental of yourself. Even the participation of that specific action means that you've done something, that routine, okay? But my problem is that even though that I don't judge myself, I still find it a little bit boring. Lah. So for example, if I... But it's not for all tasks. For example, meditation. 
last time I used to meditation all the time. I meditate every single day after after I showered and put on my clothes. But then after like a few months, it beca- it became a habit. But when the habit formed, I feel like it's very boring. I I I don't know how to explain. It's just like um it's just boring lah. Then I I just stopped doing it or reduce the number of times I meditate in a week. So when I come back to meditation, I feel more refreshed because it's like something I don't do every day. Okay. So uh for this case everyone have different reasons why they stop doing something and uh it's for me lah it's my duty to note down the things that is affecting my peak performance let's say uh meditation let's say if i truly believe that meditating every day will bring me closer to my life goal and something is hindering me from doing that uh you should have a feedback loop so that you can note down on why you are experiencing this thing so you so eventually you'll be able to solve this problem and you can move forward mm so you always take down notes uh of your thoughts right um for example is this good for me then you take down notes is it like when you say you take down notes is it like a pros and cons or how's it like okay um it used to be pros and cons but now i realize a better way to do it is to actually have something to track or measure success so uh let's say for the negotiating one a uh, bit the tracking method is easy did i successfully uh influence the other person's point of view or there is something wrong that i can improve upon so in terms of meditation maybe there is something that you can try to in- input also so mm. did you get into the state that you want or uh did you it can be simple like like how tim ferris does it did you manage to have let's say 3 minutes of breathing time to make sure you can kick into peak performance mm so it's just like um uh a performance review kind of note taking yeah uh i actually learned this from josh wakeskin uh he he is coach he is the coach of the 0.1% players in their field so let's say if you are in the top of your game and you want to be even better you want to be the best in the game he is the guy that people find to train mm yeah you can look up on him he's really cool can you repeat his name josh wakeskin wakeskin uh, okay and um can we talk about meditation for a bit You've tried meditation, right? Yeah. And what's your thought on meditation? Well, it for me meditate meditating is very hard. I tried a few times even though everyone says it's good, but uh I can't really get in the habit of meditating. So, what I did in replacement is I try to uh right now I'm trying to write down my thoughts instead of uh thinking about it. I started journaling. So to me it's a form of meditation and uh even though like people say 
you, you need to have specific posture and everything. But I think it feels the same to me. Um, what, what did you wanted to get out when you did meditation? What's the result that you were looking for? I was looking for a clearer, clearer mind when I approach stuff because you can feel when some days are off and some days are not off. And if you scale it from one to ten, you can you can see like when you are at ten performing at your best, you are way way more likely to perform better than if you are let's say a six. So. Oh. So meditation to me is trying to get yourself to 10. Because a lot of people use meditation for a lot of different things. And I think personally, meditation is best to just make you be aware of yourself and your surrounding. To me, meditation is not a tool to enhance my performance. But meditation is a tool to let me know what scale am I at today. So it's a more awareness thing. And this is important to me because I am when I am more aware of myself, I can control myself better. I wouldn't say control. I can manage myself better. So f- for example, today I, I woke up feeling angry and nauseous, let's say. And through meditation, I can understand my emotion better because I'm aware of it. Then I can take some action to manage it. Whereas if I don't meditate, I will just let this uh, emotion snowball into something worse. Sometimes that's the case. And meditation is, to me, a very good tool to just practicing being aware or being present in the moment. So, all in all, I guess what I'm saying is different people use uh, meditation for different results, I guess. And it's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I totally uh, understand what you're saying. And maybe I can try it out, like meditating just for the sake of being in the state or experiencing the state. Because uh, for me, I've never actually... Uh, looked at meditation that way so it's a good insight yeah because when you when you are practicing being in the moment I think most of the time you will be present when you're doing things and it also helps you to get quote unquote in the zone when you're doing things because when you're in the moment it's easier to focus because for me I I don't know if you know this lah, because uh, I think I have uh, ADHD since I was young. I always has high energy. That's why I joined the... Uh, I was athlete because I need to somehow use my energy up. If not, I will be too hyperactive. And my problem was I have a very hard time focusing paying attention in things. Uh, when I was in primary school, a uh, teacher will always uh, scold me because I'm not paying attention. Either I'm playing, I'm clicking on my pen, 
shaking my legs, on just easily get distracted. Lah. And I find that meditation can help me anchor myself, I say, and then pay attention more because I'm in the present moment. Interesting. Are you sure you're not just being naughty? <laughs> I guess some part of it is just being naughty. Lah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think meditation surprisingly has a lot of different results. People are looking for a lot of different results from meditation. I mean, like there's a lot of different kind of meditation. Like uh, the one you told me about last time, vision six phase meditation. Yeah, I, I just wanted to talk about it. Like, uh, I've been... Six-phase meditation is also a very good way for me to... Uh, this is for me to structure my thoughts because it's guiding and it leads me to actions and clear actions that is related to my overall life vision. So I think uh, six-phase meditation is also something that I would recommend people to try out. But it didn't stick with me because... Uh, I just got like lazy and stopped doing it, I guess. But uh, right now I'm doing journaling, which is equally as powerful, if not more powerful. I think I will try out journaling, but I doubt that I will stick to it. Lah. We'll see. I'll update you when I try. But I want to talk about more about the six-phase meditation. To me, when I first started trying out six-phase, I really liked uh, six-phase meditation. But then after I tried it out for a few more days, I feel like it's too intense because like it's so much stuff going in your mind in that 20 minutes meditation. It feels more work than it is more relaxing. Yeah, it but, can, it can yeah. be a bit overwhelming. Uh, yeah, yeah. When I try like Headspace, which is another platform for meditation, Headspace has a lot of meditation options. Their way to meditate is more relaxing and then they will ease you into that state. So for example, when uh, six-phase meditation, it started out, uh, the first five seconds is asked you to relax, right? Yeah. But with Headspace, uh, they will use the first uh, one minute or two minutes to make you fully relaxed and make you fully present in that moment. So I, I would say like six phase is a more compact, more compact, practical meditation. But headspace is a more relaxed and a more soft kind of meditation. And for me, I like headspace better. Lah. Have you tried headspace before? Not really, because uh, for me... If you notice, the things that I'm looking for is always uh, something that is more actionable. And the things that are in the fluff, I can't really handle because uh, feelings, I need to somehow translate that to uh, numbers or stuff like that because uh, my personality is more towards that, uh, that sort of personality where I need to see how it actually is in improving my life in numbers that's very interesting uh, I can see that it relates to a lot of aspect of your life for your personality you're more into like the numbers uh, more logical whereas I am 
more emotional, I guess. Yeah. And I, I think this this just shows that there are so many things that works for so many different kind of person. And it's more towards like testing what makes you better or what what suits you. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um everyone has their own they are brought up differently, they have their own personality types. And it's so hard to have a an all be all way to do things for everyone anyway. And the 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 thing is that we need to uh keep experimenting on things to figure out things that we don't like. And not just experimenting. It's also being able to um accept advice or advice from other people to try out be open minded about the things that other people suggest. Yeah, um this is funny because I've been reading a lot about Josh Waiskin and then that is one of the things that he mentioned. He said that you need to be able to let go of to be in, uh, going up in levels. You need to be able to unlearn and relearn. And to be able to do that, you need to have that child mindset where you want to absorb everything. And once you become like somewhat of an expert in something, egos te- ego tend to step in and then you, you stop learning. So what you mentioned, I totally agree lah. Yeah, true. And uh, do you think unlearning or learning is harder? I think unlearning is harder because there's always a factor of the self saying that I already know this stuff. Why do I need to learn it again? And I know more than this guy. So once the ego kicks in, it's very hard for you to absorb information faster, uh, as fast as when you just started. Yeah, I think ego is plays a very big role here in our society, right? Where we are conditioned to praise the ones that have a high high amount of followers, high, have a lot of money, you know, all these things has been subconsciously, I would say, raising people's ego and then rewarding people to have their own ego and bragging about it. Especially like you see now, Nowadays, especially in the coronavirus uh, times right now, there's more and more those kind of uh, gurus out there. They're bragging about their cars, their money. And I think this is a pro- very big problem to the younger generation, especially that isn't conscious about this ego subject. Yeah, I think it's not only for the younger generations. It's just that the younger generations tend to be more tech-savvy and we get information faster. So I think it applies to all humans, just that we need to be able to see what is truly important in our life and is other people's opinions really that important to us. Okay, so what's your advice to... If I have, I, I'm a person who has a lot of ego, how, what's your advice to you know, reduce it down to a, a balanced level or how to manage it? Well, um, I will start by asking myself questions. Uh, do, do they really care about you or do you really care about them? Those, like if you are talking about social media, do you really 
actually care about what they think and how how would what they think affect you besides psychologically so if mm. you're doing this as a as a celebrity it's your job to make sure everyone is uh everyone likes you and everyone is uh is following you and uh and treat you like a celebrity and stuff but let's say if your if your job is to start a business is your business more important or the amount of likes in social media yeah totally agree um last time i was very into i don't know if you still remember like i was i was very into like very expensive shoes like yeezys or um uh the the what's what you call ultra boost and all those type of shoes do you still remember yeah yeah you were crazy. i got those yeah <laughs> i got those shoes because uh i wanted recognition at the time right because when you get those shoes wow you you are the coolest kid in this in school but eventually when i got the shoes i realized that it's actually it's very hollow those recognition that you got is hollow and i kind of feel hollow inside honestly it's like why am i spending so much money on shoes just to get people to notice me then eventually i sold most of my shoes away lah but yeah i i guess i kind of can relate to um why people want the attention the recognition but you also need to be understanding that those recognition that you got doesn't mean anything if you're not fulfilled in life or if inside deep down inside you still feel hollow yeah but uh for me i think it would be a good experiment or a good uh test run for you to try this thing because you will get to feel uh the things that you have felt uh you have felt right now lah yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't change if i have a time machine i wouldn't change the fact that i bought the shoes it taught me the valuable lesson but i have to be there experience it then only i realize that this is how it felt I, and i guess it almost applies it to everyone else as well you need to be there and done that then only you can truly understand the feeling yeah agree and what's your take on um criticism do you think all criticisms are constructive well it it depends on who it highly depends on who is giving the criticism if it's uh if it's someone that does his words hold weight in what i'm doing so let's say if i am uh about to go go to the gym and some guy who is fat as fuck tell me you should do this and you're doing it wrong would you believe him <laughs> um i wouldn't but what if that fat guy has actually uh knows a lot about 
uh, going to the gym. By yeah. not listening to him, does that mean that we're a, a very egoistic person? No, I think for me, I would, I would treat it as a respectful disregard of what he say because uh, I, I tend to look at results and you need to have the results to be, to be talking about the things that you think you are good at. Because uh, while I was, before I started my marketing journey, I was in the finance industry uh, trading and traders, there's a lot of people that's doing scams. And how do you judge if they are scams or if they are really uh, someone that you can pay money to? It's always result-based. And uh, in this situation where money is involved and a lot and everything is high stakes, trust is very, very scarce. And to, to be able to let people trust you, you need to be credible. So that is where I learned that uh, not every opinion or not every criticism is something that we need to consider. So, so you get all the opinions or criticisms based on that person's previous results? It's previous results if I don't have any idea what I'm doing. But if I have uh, a fairly good idea of what I am doing already, like for example, writing, uh, after a few weeks, I started to know how to write more, uh, how to write better, then even someone who is not mature in writing give some opinion i have the ability to judge based on my past experience already now let's say if i'm going into gym and i have no idea how do i judge based on my i don't have past experience and he, they might just uh derail me from actually achieving my result mm. understood so would you so imagine this imagine that you live in a world where everyone can uh, will say anything to you right in front of your face. So every criticism or every opinion that someone has, they can say right to your face. Would you think that's that would be a better world to live in? It would certainly be a very interesting one. <laughs> but better. I'm not sure actually, because uh, I can't picture a world that is that is like that. <laughs> if it's if uh, for me, I think that that kind of place uh, has its pros and cons. So pro is that you don't have to guess anyone is if anyone is. Uh, telling you lies or not lah because everyone's telling the truth ma. so when it comes to criticisms or advice it'll be somewhat good but I don't think a society can work like that I just, I just don't think that it's viable because there'll be too much talking and opinion giving and not mu- not getting much done to me I that's how I feel like. Yeah, I totally agree. I think some some truths are better uh, left unsaid. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's not just not uh, not telling the truth. It's 
choosing how you say it matters also lah. So if you want to break bad news to people, it's also very important to know how to say it, how to phrase it. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And I think um, there's a lot of risk sometimes because you're not sure if that person can accept uh, criticism. So the way... How do you usually give people advice without hurting their feelings? Um, I think you you shouldn't give advice to people who are not ready for them. How do you know if they're ready or not? I, I wouldn't say I, I can tell, but you can roughly judge based on the way they are accepting. Uh, advice and sometimes they are ready for it but you are not the right person to give them that advice so uh, I would say it's it's better if you build yourself up so that you are ready uh, you are ready to be able to provide advice or uh, opinions about stuff that's, that's why very- building yourself up so that you are uh able to to make change a positive change in the world is very important that's a very interesting way to think about it because i've never never ever thought about giving uh, giving people advice can be uh i never thought that someone would not be able to not be ready to receive advice before yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, it depends on their emotional state, whether uh, they have clinged on to an idea that is uh, based on their biasness that they cannot change, or uh, they haven't met something that would let them change their current idea. Because a lot of people, they have been believing this thing for a long time. Let's say, for example, uh, money is evil. They've been believing this thing for so long that if you don't have any weight, let's say I'm I'm only earning like what, uh, let's say a few thousands a month. I'm only a bit better than you, and I tell you money is not evil. Would you trust me? Highly unlikely, but but if let's say I'm a billionaire and I uh give to society a lot, like give to charity. Uh, being philanthropic and my results are good and I my actions take care, take care of my words and then I tell you this. Would you believe mm. me? Yeah. Uh, it's something like uh, if uh, Elon Musk say something and if you say something, it's totally different. That kind of hurts, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it really puts things in perspective. Because... At the end of the day, I, I'm not trying to be very pessimistic, but at the end of the day, the world is a very uh, realistic place. No one gives a shit about what you do or what you say un- until you've achieved something. Lah. Yeah, I think it should be like that, actually. Yeah, I think, honestly speaking, I think it should be like that also. So it avoids a lot of unnecessarily unnecessary 
time wastage, I think, because you waste a lot of times believing some bullshit idea or bullshit advice from people that has have not been there or, and done that. Yeah. Can I talk to you about uh, the coronavirus thing right now? Yeah, sure. Did coronavirus uh, affect your business in any way? Yeah. We are supposed to have a few contracts coming in that is supposed to help the company uh, move forward and be like the the savior and the profit of the company. And then because of coronavirus, everything got delayed. What's your take on uh, the current coronavirus? In terms of uh, the pandemic-wise, I feel bad that a lot of a lot of people's lives are lost, but I think it's a good refresh of uh, businesses because, especially in the startup industry, a lot of businesses are um, are not sustainable, and then they have been uh, surviving purely based on uh, speculations of the market. So now we are grounding people more down to earth rather than uh, judging based on speculations. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Because because of this coronavirus thing, right? It actually puts us in perspective, I would say, that human beings and the market is actually very fragile, right? And we've been so indestructible, I would say, for so much, so many years right now, that uh, a lot of businesses and a lot of people have um, not been saving up money for a rainy day like this. And I think I'm not trying to uh, offend anyone that has uh, families or friends that got the coronavirus, but I sometimes I think that having coronavirus is kind of actually a good thing. Well, I'm still sad about people dying, and I think it's very serious, but I think that it corrects the market, so to speak. Yeah, and I think it depends on how people look at it, because... Um, for me, I can't judge people who, whose life has been affected by coronavirus, like family members passed away and all those. Because, uh, on our on our side, Southeast Asia is is fairly safe. Um, but I can judge based on purely the markets, and right now the markets is showing signs of correction, and I think it will be, uh, a good thing for investors who have been who have not been investing riskily yeah so w- which industry has been affected by coronavirus it should most? be the hotel line the the travel line and then uh companies like asia because uh they all deal with uh, transportation and uh, hospitality and now everyone is locked in their house but I thought the hotel line is quite okay because of the government contracts 
of the quarantines. Yeah, it depends on if you get it or not. If you don't get it, your your company is gonna die. Up to this point, a lot of hotel has actually closed down. uh, Uh, And some major ones has closed down also. I, I, I forgot the details already, but uh, you can look it up on the news. Yeah, I think I saw some of the hotel business closing down. But what have you actually learned from this pandemic? Have oh, you personally, this pandemic has actually impacted me a lot. Because uh, before the pandemic, I was kind of in... Um, in a in a way self denial, because uh, there's some things in the company that I just need to voice out to my team, and I just need to say to especially my partners, but uh, I've been reluctant to voice out. So during this coronavirus, it just gives me time to reflect and see outside as a third person view, so that uh, I can structure me myself so during the coronavirus i wasn't uh, i wasn't doing stuff i was just at home every day playing games and being being very bad at life i I guess and after a while i started trying to pick myself up step by step and i think this refresh has actually helped me a lot now i'm i would say much better than before it gives me a a sense of uh, renewal in life is like when you die in in game and then uh, you waited for a while and then you refresh wanting to go out and do more stuff that's a very interesting way to put it <laughs> but I think coronavirus for me has actually made me realize that we as human beings are actually very fragile Right, like, because I never experienced a very bad pandemic or plague, for example. Like last time, what was the last one? Yeah, I think it's SARS. I've never experienced SARS before, and I never realized that how bad it was. And then when it came to coronavirus, at first I I just thought when it was in China, I just thought, oh, it's just gonna be a sickness, and and we're gonna find a cure very soon and it's been like uh half a year already and we're we're close to getting a a cure but then we're still not getting one yet but it made me realize that human beings are very fragile and you might just die anytime soon it truly made me understand this this idea yeah um i would I would agree with you, but we were much more fragile back in the days. You know, when the, in the 15th century, the Black Plague, anyone who, who got hit by the plague, they die. And uh, yeah. I, I think out of 10 people, like 6 people who tried to give birth died, I think. Uh, and the the birth rate is very low and then our our average lifespan is also very low it's it's just these few years from 
uh, after the industrial revolution where things started to pick up and everyone started to get more healthy and healthy. I think if you give us hum- like humans uh, a couple more years, I think the pandemic would not have been an issue. I think I agree with you on that part, but I also think that no matter how human beings progress in life, in terms of technology or medicine, I still think there will be some sort of plague pandemic out there. If it's not coronavirus, it's going to be something else. And that something else will be very too advanced for our technology of the time. Because if we look at the past, past plagues or past sickness, it's always been like that, right? The Black Death, our medicine is not enough. Even coronavirus right now, our medicine is still not enough. It's just that the living standards, I think, the living standards, the hygiene, the normal um, medicine is good enough so that the death rate is not that high. That's my my understanding or my idea, my opinion on how it works. Lah. Yeah, I totally agree. What's your prediction then? Uh, what do you think the market will be like in a year from now? Actually, I, I don't think I'm in the position to, to voice because I'm not... Uh, I've not been following the market very closely, but I think once we find the vaccine, everything will start picking up very soon. And hopefully we can find the vaccine uh, as soon as possible within this year. Do you think that even when the vaccine is founded, that uh, people will start going out again? Yeah, I think after the vaccine is, uh, is there, the companies that has been idle will start simulating the market so that to ask the market to, to go out. I think Japan already is thinking about stimulation programs to stimulate the economy back. That's very interesting because uh, I always thought that after, even when after people found a vaccine, found the vaccine, right? they will still have a period of, um, I would say, awkwardness or s- slowness in the market. Then after that period, uh, the period will stand slowly correct yeah. itself. I, markets work, work like that unless government intervention. So if the government, like for Japan's case, the government is trying to... Uh, stimulate the the economy so they will give incentives and uh and lower down prices of stuff so that people would start going to let's say japan Hmm. seeing that now coronavirus we've been having this limited human interaction um I would say that businesses, if they use digital marketing or online business, it will be most beneficial. But how do you, how do you, how do you um, suggest that a business from transition from a traditional 
uh, marketing standpoint to a more digital marketing yeah, I standpoint. Think, uh, good point mentioning this because I think a lot of people now is starting to realize how 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 digital can actually impact their company. So a lot of, a lot of companies like uh, especially the ones in Miri, they would they are starting to take actions to be more um, uh, digital friendly. So a very easy way for them to start is just to be present in relevant channels like Facebook or Instagram because that's what people in Miri is using. So depending on demographics, they can start putting their stuff here. And I think uh, content and content creation is going to be in high demand, especially pictures and videos because uh, customers have start have started to go more visual than ever. Mm. That's a very interesting point. When you say visual than ever, what do you mean? Can you explain? Well, I used, I used to go to blogs for things that I cannot find on YouTube. But now you can find everything mm. on YouTube. You can find everything on, uh, on video format. And compared to blog, videos are much more easier to digest. So you're saying that um, you think video is the superior content form when it comes to content creation? Lah. It depends on the market, I would say. But generally, I think that is the case. For finance, I think blogs is still very superior for the finance sector. For finance? Why? Why exactly for finance? I'm not really sure, but uh, people in the finance sector, they... I don't see any content there. Maybe, especially on YouTube. I think that would be a channel where uh, if people wanting to start out their YouTuber career, maybe they can move into it. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's like the video content for finance industry is still not there yet. That's why people are going for blocks, right? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe uh, finance people, they don't like to hear, let other people hear what they are listening to. Okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> but when it comes to uh, content creation, right? Uh, for for businesses or business owner especially small business what kind of content do you think they can post online what kind of content so um i think they should have i think they should put more than what their business is offering uh they should target based on the subculture of the people who are they are target, targeting so for example if you're uh, selling organic food a subculture of organic food maybe uh, health and fitness running all this kind of stuff they can actively be in the scene or even better leading the scene of that particular industry to make other people feel like they are a symbol of what they what they want to be for example if you uh 
if you support all the local activities revolving around organic and gym and people who wants to be healthy, they can just go through you. So if that is the case, people would trust you and be and treat you as the the authority of the industry. I think I think in the future there's gonna be not very big companies but a lot of small authorities in the local community. It, this idea is just like how the so-called internet gurus are using, right? Like for example, they are, uh, let's say digital marketing experts. Then they will also post things, uh, content about motivation or business to, because it's like their subculture. Yeah, yeah. And can we talk about the fact that this coronavirus has born a lot of new or never heard before internet gurus? Ka? Have you seen a lot of internet gurus recently? I do not wish to comment or be any part of commenting in this. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't I don't see a point like uh one very famous example is Ty Lopez real or is Dan Lok for me what my opinion is it doesn't matter uh, as long as you have enough uh, foresight to understand and uh, judge their content you, you don't really need to know if they are real or not as long as their content provide you with value then then you you continue watching them not if their content doesn't provide you with value, then you stop watching them. I, I don't I don't see where it can help me uh, by knowing if they are real or not. But the truth of the fact is they are producing content and some of their content, not all, but some of their content uh, has given me value. Have you, have you ever invested in... Uh so-called internet gurus course and you think that it's worth it? Yeah, I've invested in uh, some of Peng Jun's courses and my friends has invested in the Dan Lok's courses and I think what they're saying they might not maybe it's debatable if they should charge so much but at least we get what we're trying to do and the action here is the amount of money you put in determines your commitment level. So my friend, he's willing to put in 10,000 for a Denlock course. It, det- it, it determines his, his level of determination in trying to up his game. So I think it's also a symbol to himself that he can brag to his friends or brag to me that saying that, hey, I invested you know, 10k, 20k in in a course to help me with myself. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but which which one course is the most worth it to you? I think it. Uh, I think it's books, not courses. Courses are just repeating what uh, other mentors has been saying, and if you can find the mentors that they are looking for, uh, if you have a system to to see what 
they are trying to they they are trying to see but you just need to find them like for example if you really want to understand marketing or if you want to understand uh how to build authority online you can just look at uh who is the most influential person in that industry and probably he's written a book about it like 50 years ago and then you can start from there that's very interesting but for me i have a similar way to get my information like for example peng jun right peng jun talks about a lot about uh digital marketing and sales funnel but if we look at the things that he teach a lot of the things that he teach are just the same as digital marketer digital marketer provides a lot of content for free sometimes that is way more advanced than what peng jun would ever teach for four thousand ringgit I guess you just need to know where the gurus are getting the information from and then go from there. Yeah, and the Edward Bernays book on propaganda and crystallizing public opinion, I think if you master these two books, you'll be better than a lot of marketers out there. Can you repeat the book's name again? Uh, the first book's name is Propaganda. The second book's name is Crystallizing Public Opinion. So I've heard of Propaganda, this book, but can you tell me more about Crystallizing Public Opinion? It's a book about public's, uh, how the public mindset works and how to deal, how to influence the, pu- the public's mindset to your company's interest. So uh, if you really want... To know more, there is also the third book, which is uh, The Engineering of Consent, which I think is more the action type book. And I think that book is uh, the one that you should go for if you want to do this as a job. Okay, so that those are very good recommendations. It's not those typical kind of books that you would hear people recommending. But to close out all this whole podcast today, can you tell us... What is one of your favorite failure that you have been through in life? One of my favorite fa- failures. Um, I think there's this one point in life where uh, I was trading in the finance market and then I lost a significant chunk of money. How much money? And it kinda, I think it's back then I'm like 19 and I lost around... 20k what? in one day. 20k? Yeah, it's like I was still young, so it's a significant amount of money back then. I, I mean, right now it's still very significant. Uh, and what it taught me, besides money is important, is uh, decisions. You need to be accountable for your decisions. And do not hide when things are getting worse because if you don't fix it, it'll just keep on going down. <laughs> okay. All right. So thank you for joining uh, joining this podcast with me today. Really appreciate it. Uh, do you have any last remarks or advice that you want to share? Um, yeah, I think if I were to start somewhere, I will start with the book uh, on the shortness of life. 
because everything that we covered right now uh, is somewhat related to that book. I've actually read the book before. It's a very, very uh, small book. It only has like a few pages, but it took me a long time to understand it because the English that they use is very traditional, I guess the word is. Yeah, because it's written like more than two 2,000 years ago. Uh, but you can read the the modern version. Uh, Tim Ferriss got one for free. It's called Tao of Seneca. T-A-O of Seneca. S-E-N-E-C-A. So everyone can read it online and understand that uh, life is short, that you need to do something about it. Yes. All right, thank you for joining again. No worries. Pleasure to help. All right. See you.